Everybody, I'm Robert. Hey guys, I'm Chris. And we're the Film Flamers. We're bringing you a special fifth week episode. Not every month has a uh, fifth week in it. So what we're doing is we're splitting up our hot takes from our Shooting the Flames episode coming out next week for July. And we're going to give you all of our hot takes that we've been watching just over the last you know month or so. And we're going to give it to you now, raw, uncut, in this giant hot take a palooza episode <laughs> that's right chris and i were looking at our shooting the flames episode and we noticed that a great chunk of it is sort of our recent watches and our recommendations and we thought you know it'd be really good to like separate this from that episode and give the movies that we've watched some space to breathe and our recommendations to go to you. And it also gives us a chance to sort of expand our shooting the flames so we can talk about more trailers and horror news and possibly even current events and things like that. So let's get into it because I know that you have watched a lot of movies in June. You have been a very busy boy. Yes, uncharacteristically. Usually I'm the one that lags behind, but I have watched, let's see, let me count them, 15? Which is very impressive. Like it got it got to a point when I was looking at the document and looking at Letterboxd and all the movies that you watched and 15 my ass like there's more that, yeah, that you've seen. I went on a Marvel binge too. So there's like 10 more movies that I did. So I've watched like on average like almost two movies a day in June. And I was just like <laughs> what in the actual fuck have I been doing? I haven't watched anything. So the last week I've tried to catch up to you. I've watched some movies but you know we've been living your life. <laughs> Well, I watched episodic things, you know, and that will come up with that in a minute. But uh, yeah, so I mean, Nick, you've been you've been very busy and I'm very proud of your movie watching this month. So what do you want to start with? Well, let's start with a straight up horror movies. Okay, good. I like that. Yeah. So I finally watched Terrified after your recommendation. Oh, I'm so glad you did. Oh, and it, it got me. And movies, I feel like horror movies don't get me anymore. Like, okay, I don't want to say like horror movies don't understand me. I'm saying they don't get me like I don't get scared. <laughs> right. Okay. You know, but terrified got me and I it got under my skin a little bit. And I, I actually jumped a couple of times. I, I got really creeped out. They have a lot of interesting types of horror. There's equal bombastic as well as subtle horror and terrified. And I really, really appreciated that. It's just, um, it's just a really well balanced movie in terms of its scare value and its scare tactics so i don't know it's um it's really good i think it's um spanish language i mean either brazil or argentina i can't remember i mean but it's it's a a latin american country that made it yeah yeah uh buenos aires yeah so it's it's uh, Argentina. argentina yeah yeah i really liked terrified and i'm so glad that you watched it because looking at I've, you know, over the movies that I've watched over the last couple of years, it is the one that has scared me the most. And I know that I have talked about that mm-hmm. you know, ad nauseum on this podcast about how much it scares me. And I, I'm always like, um, happy. I think it's a, it's a terrible word to use, but I mean, I'm always happy when somebody else watches it and said, yes, I was terrified. Like, I don't want people to be scared, but I sort of do. And like, it, it justifies everything that I have said about this movie when you said that you were scared, Ned. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to oversell it. Um, I did give it a four stars out of five. Good. That's pretty high for me, you know? So, um, you know, I, I was I was very, very pleasantly surprised and pleased with it. Even after, you know, your, you know, high rating of it, you know, I went in kind of 
expecting it to be scary and I, and it was <laughs> so thank you good i'm glad that you watched it in fact i would like to talk about this movie more deeply yeah. than this you know and so i don't want to like like shoot our wad right now because i <laughs> yeah i think that this is a good movie for the film flamers to cover you know i especially if we both enjoyed it we both were scared i think that we can like pick the things that we liked the most out of it and not to mention i mean it's an, it's an anthology movie and i mean i enjoy talking about those so I watched an anthology horror movie. Oh, you did? And it's a scare package. Okay. Which is something that we had talked about the trailer of on Shooting the Flame several months ago. And I think Shudder purchased it and they've been showing it. It, it really it, it was just released a couple of weeks ago onto Shudder. And it's something I was looking forward to watching. So I pulled it up and watched it right away. And um, I didn't know that it was going to be such a horror comedy, really. Mm-hmm. But it's like seven short films uh, with a framing device and it's it was really good it was funny and made me laugh a lot and i think that like fans of like 80s horror are really who they're like trying to target in this and like like most other anthology movies it's sort of hit or miss but there were like three really good stories in here and the framing device was very funny um, but the the last story is what I want to talk about the most. It's sort of like the movie centers around this man who owns a video store and, you know, they're, they're a dying breed these days anyway. And he's always trying to like hire someone to work there. And he finally hires somebody and he is like training him. And so each like step of the training process also leads him to a different horror story or short in this movie Hmm. but the very very last one the owner of that video store gets transported into the horror movie itself and he's sort of like stuck with all these stock characters that he knows so much about he's like oh so you're the final girl and like you're the you know the the slut or you're the whatever (laughs) right and and he's trying to like make his way out of the horror movie himself and it was just so fucking funny and i i would think that if this movie weren't so hit or miss with its stories i think like out of out of the seven, like three really good, four really bad. And it's really close to middle, you know, but I think I gave this movie a three star. So it's like sort of middle of the road, but if it had like better stories to like counteract the, the really good ones, I think it would be a lot higher for me, but it was hilarious. And I, if, if you have shutter, go and watch it because I know that people who listen to this are like well-versed in horror and that's where a lot of the comedy lies. There's some like meta aspects to it. So it's definitely something that you should watch. Okay. I also finally watched the autopsy of Jane Doe. I saw that on your letterbox, but I didn't ask you about it because I knew we'd be talking about it right now. (laughs) Yeah. So I, you know, overall I really enjoyed it, especially like the first you know, three-fourths of the movie. It really just has excellent pacing, great visual storytelling. It's creepy. You know, it's excellent acting from Brian Cox. I really, really love him in movies generally, and uh, this is no different. I also really like, uh, God, what's his name? What's who's his, uh, Who plays his son in that? Is it Emil Hirsch? Emil Hirsch, yeah. He was like in Into the Wild and um, Girl Next Door, a couple other movies mm-hmm. that he's very good in. But... Um, 
it kind of for me it kind of falls apart in this final act i don't i don't really like how it ended you know i i like dark endings but this one just kind of fell flat to me without much meaning and so i ended up giving it a three and a half stars despite it's like four and a half star like beginning and middle yeah i mean i would have to agree with you i mean i i really like this movie a lot i know i've, I've sang its praises on this podcast and to you like privately and for the the same reasons that you said i think the first like two-thirds of this movie are very very good I love the way that it's paced. I love the atmosphere that it builds throughout, like, the start of the movie. And I love the two characters a lot. Three, if you want to count, you know, Jane Doe as a character. Sure. And I I mean, I, I like it. Toward the end, I think it gets a little, like, twisty, right? But, I mean... Yeah, and and that's okay. And I kind of wish that they had ended it kind of in a more, like, the ring kind of way, where it's, you know, the twist is, like oh, we should have done this or something else. But I mean, instead, everything kind of just ends and closes it. And I just, I don't know. I, I feel like there's, this movie is well regarded. It's it's well loved in the horror community. And I think everyone should check it out and judge the ending for yourself. You know? I think it's well made. I like the, the quality is really oh, good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like it seems like a, a high budget movie for a low budget price. Right. And I mean, and, and the acting is phenomenal. I love Brian Cox and just about anything that I see him in. So yeah. um, if we were like talking about putting movies on a docket for future deep dives, would you think terrified or autopsy would be one that you would choose? You know, I feel like I have more to say about the autopsy of Jane Doe just just because I have more problems with it, mm-hmm. you know, um, that I'd like to kind of um, autopsy, <laughs> <laughs> dissect, if you will, um, you know, because I feel like there's certain moments in that film that make it turn and make me kind of turn away from it. And I'd like to kind of, you know, explore why. Uh, and that might be more of like an, an issue with me and how I watch movies or enjoy movies and for what reasons versus how a wider audience might react to it. So I'm not sure. But uh, yeah, it might be more interesting to deep dive into Autopsy of Jane Doe, um, you know, but Terrified is uh, it's definitely something I, I could talk about as well as as well in a deep dive. Which one do you think you'd be most likely to rewatch? Terrified. Okay. Well. So I watched another horror movie and, you know, it's June, it's Pride Month, and I wanted to get into some queer horror that I hadn't seen before. And so I decided to watch Midnight Kiss on Hulu. And this is from the Into the Dark Blumhouse series that's on Hulu. So every month they have a movie that's sort of tied into the holiday that's in that month, right? And they're in their second year. So they're really starting to, you know, pick different directors and different stories. And so for January of this year, they released Midnight Kiss, I think on like January the 1st. But it's a movie about these... uh, five gay friends who have a tradition well five gay friends and a straight girl right they have a tradition of hanging out on new year's eve and they make a game to where you need to kiss somebody at midnight and you you separate from the group you find the person that you want to kiss and you get them to kiss you at any cost right you can like flirt with them seduce them do whatever you want 
Hashtag me too. Mm-hmm. Get your midnight kiss and then you can go home with them for the night. But at the end, come dawn, that's it. Like you you don't start a relationship or anything like that. And so on this particular New Year's, as far as the movie's concerned, they go to a house that's owned by one of their friends and go to a gay bar and they have their midnight kiss. But the friends are sort of getting picked off one by one, like classic stalker style, you know? Okay. And... um. It's, it was good, you know, like I enjoyed it because I enjoy slasher movies and that's essentially what it was. And I'm always happy to see gay characters on screen. But I think that like Hellbent did this a lot better than this one did. Right. Even though this one seems like more inclusive, you know, so we have like a female character in this movie Mm -hmm. and we have like an Asian character. We have an African-American character in this movie and it's, it's, it's a lot more inclusive than what Hellbent is. And we have different kinds of gay guys, you know, like some mask and some femme and, and it's like, I mean, that's the reasons that I liked it, but I mean, there, there were some problems Obviously, I don't think that it was well written. I don't think that, I mean, they, they also try to have some like twisty endings and it just doesn't really like fulfill itself by the end of it for me, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I, yeah. I went on to Letterboxd and I know some people who I follow had rated it much higher than I did. And so I'm like, okay, maybe I should watch it again. But I mean, like for right now, it's just, it, it's a really fun, like gay horror movie. And if, if, if that's all you're looking for, then it's the perfect thing to turn on for pride month. I know that by the time this comes out, you know, there's just a couple days left in pride month, but I mean, we can be prideful all year long and still watch gay horror movies. Yeah. So I will say that there's a lot of like male nudity in this movie, but not like there's no peen, you know, they sort of like, skirt around the peen there's a lot of ass and stuff like that and i'm like okay Okay. if you're gonna be this gratuitous you might as well like show the whole package you know did scare package show the peen uh not an actual peen but there's an axe to the peen (laughs) okay um i don't know i'm kind of interested to see what you would think about this particular movie especially since we just watched hellbent but uh yeah it's um it's good the guys are hot you know, and um, I will say, like, the, the most likable character, the most fun character in this movie is the straight girl who hangs out with them. Right. Like, I felt the most for her. I wanted to see her most in the movie. And I don't know what that says about a gay horror movie. Right. I mean, but, mm, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, but hey, straight girls are part of our lives. We love them. And um, it was it was good to have that that, that aspect into the horror movie. Well, speaking of straight girls, I saw Gretel and Hansel as well, finally. How did you like it? I actually liked it a lot better than you did. I think you gave it like a two and a half or something. I gave it a three and a half. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And it's just, it's so well shot. It's so beautifully shot. The production design is so good. All the acting is great. Um, Even the script's all right. It's just the story. That kind of sucks, you know, especially towards the end, you know, so I, I just can't, you know, give it more. But I will be definitely looking at this director, continuing to look at this director, um, you know, to see where where he goes, because Gretel and Hansel, I felt like had a lot of potential there. And it just it just kind of fell flat at the end. You know, it's kind of frustrating at first when I was first started watching Gretel and Hansel, I was like, this is like a director that doesn't know how to fucking frame a shot or choose a lens. Like everything was like handheld and fish eyed on the actors. And then it just gets better. Right. And better and better and better. And I loved their, um, 
you know, visual storytelling of like witchcraft and, and things like that. I like I liked the subtle fantasy aspects to it. I really do like full core. You know, I really like the witch. I don't know that it's my favorite subgenre of horror, but it's 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 almost like hit or miss. And this is somewhere in the middle for me, but I did give it a three and a half just because of the production value and the and the technical and acting achievements I think in it. I really enjoyed seeing Alice Grigg, the aka the board queen, you know, as uh the witch in this. And uh I thought it was uh, an interesting but needless t- twist at the end. I liked the visual storytelling in this movie. I think that it was well made and well shot, right? And I think that I said that in that 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 I think it was a a Patreon hot take that particular month that we talked about this. And um I but it, when it came down to the actual story, that's when I had the problem, you know. But I mean, it is it's a well-made movie and it's beautiful to look at. And I love Oz Perkins. I think that, I mean, like the Black Coat's Daughter was very good. It's a recent watch for me. I also like uh, The Pretty Thing That Lives in the House. It's something that I talked about when we talked about what to stream during quarantine. I mean, I think his movies are really good. And I think that he's he's well-versed in the slow burn, right? I just, I think that uh, his previous movies are far superior to this particular one. Yeah, and I don't have that for contrast. One particular scene keeps coming back to me, and it's the scene where the witch is preparing the food that is on the table somehow miraculously, you know, every morning with this just tons of biscuits and and meats and cheeses and everything else that they could possibly imagine. And she's literally just dumping this pile of of uh, mm. guts and intestines and everything else from a you know, animals and presumably children and just kind of waves her hand or whatever. And they all just kind of congeal and morph into the food that they're eating. And uh, you find out where it comes from. And it was, that's such a subtle effect of how it was done. They kind of, all these intros kind of curling in on themselves to become food that I had to watch it several times. And it's just, um, it's kind of an, I would say one of the most underrated effects I've ever seen. So since this movie has been released on VOD, I have hovered over it. When I've like scrolled through Amazon, right? And I'm like, I need to rewatch this because I, I saw it in the theater. I don't think that was the right experience for me to watch this particular movie. I think this is a home viewing movie that I think I would enjoy it so much better if I watched it from home. And so I, I, I will. You know, I, I think based on the rating yeah. that you gave it compared to mine, I think this is something that I need to revisit and just give a second chance to under better circumstances, we'll say. And, um, you know, see what I think about it later on. That said, if you don't mind me transitioning into an interesting connected film. Uh, please do. Would be the other folk horror movie that I finally saw, which is Hagazusa. <laughs> which is something that I talked about on a Shooting the Flames episode before too right and you actually rated this higher and i think i rated yeah i know this is like (laughs) such an amazing like dichotomy of movies for us to talk about (laughs) yeah so i rated it a two and a half and i don't know i feel like maybe that's a little harsh in hindsight you know but again really well photographed well made but it's so so bare bones as far as any kind of plot or story you're really, really kind of challenged to create your own narrative and meaning and everything that's going on in the screen. And while I think that can be incredibly effective, I don't know that it was here. I feel like it's too subtle for its own good. And I feel like they should have done a little bit more of a storytelling in order to kind of bring it home. I have to agree. I think those are the main problems that I have with the movie as well. 
Right. I think that, again, this movie is very, like, pretty to look at. And I think it started very strongly, but, like, toward the middle and end, I was just like, okay, like, I, I, I don't think I understand this character very well. And it's been a long time since I've seen it. I just trying to figure out when I logged this movie, but I'm fairly certain I gave it a three star. So it's not much higher than what you gave it. But I didn't, I didn't enjoy watching yeah. this movie. I didn't have a good time at all. I think, and like, <laughs> there was a really like gross scene involving a, a goat, like a milking of a goat. Right. <sighs> and I, and the more I think about that particular scene, the more I like that scene more than anything else in the movie. Right. It just like, you know, you something you have to think about. So I was just like, don't touch black Philip like that. <laughs> she gets real fucking handsy with that goat, you know? And I, <laughs> I was just like, I, th- I remember watching that movie and pausing it to go talk to my husband. And I was just like, I'm watching a movie where I'm fairly certain a woman just <laughs> raped a goat. <laughs> and he was like what is it i was like don't even ask i was like it didn't matter i was like that that goat did not give any sort of consent and (laughs) so i mean like i i know a lot of people like this movie too it was well regarded when it came out and i think it like it made the film festival circuit and and i i don't know that like a great majority of people have seen this movie but i'm super curious to to see what people think about it like i I knew that eventually you'd make your way to it and i was pleasantly surprised when i saw on your list and so it was just like this is another one that we're just gonna wait and talk about i'm not gonna ask you like off mic you know yeah Mm -hmm. would you watch this one again I don't know. I watched Gretel and Hansel before I watched Hagazusa again. I, I mean, like, I kind of want to watch them both again now because I, I would watch Hagazusa with like a directorial, com- you know, commentary yeah. or something if it was an. Oh inch. yeah. <laughs> but you know, it wouldn't be. So, so. I mean, like, I, I watched Hagazusa right around the same time I watched The Field Guide to Evil, right? And I was really looking forward to both of those movies just based on the trailer, and I just didn't get the experience that I wanted to. I didn't like them very much, e- either one of them. So yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'd watch it again, but uh, it's been about a it's been about a year since I've watched it, maybe. And I'm I'm like I it'll be a while longer. I'm glad they exist. I'm glad they're kind of uh, you know continuing keeping like full core alive. But I both I feel like both of them are kind of reactions and were made because of the success of the witch, and neither could live up to that standard. I 100% agree with that statement. So, I mean, I, I think that The Witch really set a precedent for what we think about, like, full core and what we want it to look like and feel like and enjoy. And I'm, there's going to be people who follow suit. I mean, this is why we have a whole string of movies over a number of years that are the same sort of, like, subgenre of horror. And, I mean, oftentimes they don't, like, live up to its predecessor's glory, right? But mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, like, I, I if... if Somebody else makes another like folk witch movie. I'll still go watch it. <laughs> so. Totally. Me too. So I also watched yet another one that you wanted me to watch uh, based on, you know, our, our mutual interest in the invitation. Yes. And that is coherence. So I watched the movie coherence and um, I, th- you know, I got so pissed off like in the first like half of this movie I was like, this is a one star, a two star, because I was just so pissed off that everyone was just so stupid. Yeah. You know, and I'm just like, just let it pass, you know, just like go on with your fucking night. Just like, 
you know, it's anyway, the movie is about a comet that passes over and, and it can cause, you know, insanity or weirdness, you know, is, is the whole premise, you know, and reality kind of starts to crumble and that's the whole, you know, idea of the story. Right. And so it's this dinner party and, you know, there's um, a lot of stuff going on in this movie. It would be a very difficult synopsis. I do not want to deep dive into this just because the synopsis would be so fucking horrible. Agreed. 100%. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, meanwhile, the red people. Meanwhile, the green people. Meanwhile, the blue people. Meanwhile, blue people number two. I don't fucking know. And you'll you'll get what I'm saying if you watch this movie, which I do recommend. Um, you know, it, it ends very well, in my opinion. It's like the opposite of some of these other movies where just, you know, where they just start off so well and they kind of fall flat. This one starts off flat and ends off really well in my opinion and i ended up giving it three and a half stars and i just checked on letterboxd i gave it one half of a star more than you so it was a four star movie for me oh okay and i think i did that just because i I feel like it's a really well-made well-acted movie and i did like the ending so so much it totally redeemed it when i talked about this on shooting the flames you know several months ago i talked about like how i felt i needed to have some sort of advanced degree in like astral physics or something like that to like i was just like i don't know i mean like alternate realities and things like that and i was no it's magic it's not science i mean you know every everything is centered around a fucking house i mean like physics doesn't follow plot lines you know what i mean well i'm no scientist i mean i have no idea what (laughs) physics is i mean my god i studied literature for god's sakes we don't like to think about no. physics, let alone write about it. So, I mean, no, like, the science of this is really, really just stupid fiction. I mean, it's it's not even so. Don't even feel bad about that. But the ending, though, I mean, like, the ending is good. This is a good so, ending to a movie. What did you rate the invitation? And in, in, you know, in contrast to coherence. Uh, well, let me look it up. Hold on one second. Oh, I didn't read it. How in the hell is that possible? So I rated the invitation four stars. So that's about half a point higher than what I rated coherence. And to me, the invitation just like works better as a whole. It's very, very um, constant. I feel like the pacing's better. It's the beginning's just as good as the end. The end is just iconic, you know. And um, so I feel like it works slightly better as a as a film. But coherence definitely has earned its place in my uh, in my list of recommendations. I mean, and I would also rate the invitation four stars. I mean, like I, I don't want to say that like the movies are equally as good, right? Even though I rate them the same. I, I mean, I have problems with each particular movie. I do enjoy The Invitation more, but I the more that the story and coherence started going and I saw where it was going and started to realize that some of the characters that were involved in what I was watching just then, I had never met before and things like that. It's, it's very sort of like complex and like it's interesting yeah the movie kind of like to me like I, at the beginning i hated the characters but the movie comes back later and kind of pats you on the head and it's like you're right because there's other versions of you know what's going on here and i don't want to like spoil the plot that's not really a spoiler because that becomes apparent fairly quickly but it it kind of redeems itself in that regard which which is why i ended up instead of giving it like a two a two star i gave it a three and a half oftentimes i will like hold my letterbox rating for a couple days before i like rate something i want to think about it and i think i gave this four stars like right away and i'm I'm okay with that like i, I kind of want to watch this movie again even though I, I can't say that i didn't like it you know it's just one of those movies you're like it's a good movie and you know 
it's it's a question between like like and love. Maybe that's a better way to like put it. But well, I feel like my ratings are and anyone's ratings really should be like a living document. You know, yeah. Our thoughts and feelings change just like our conversation on Psycho Beach Party. You know, back in the day, you might have rated that much higher than you do now. You know, just through different eyes and sometimes you psychologically deal with stuff when in a movie that you know kind of unfurls itself after days or weeks or months and you want to change your rating to something but yeah for right now like that's my that's my rating of coherence but i really really love that we have a subgenre or the makings of a subgenre for dinner party you know yes i really love movies in tight situations with very small characters you know what i mean i'm like i'm all over it right i do have to ask you though since we just talked about psycho beach party and you talked about nicholas brendan just being nicholas brendan right and acting do you think that his acting in this movie is any better than psycho beach party i would say his acting yeah he's much more like naturalistic i would say but at the same time that role seems completely based on him and his life he plays an actor who has horrible problems with alcohol yeah and you know has had some life setbacks because of that and that is dickless brendan yeah to a t so right. either stumbled into the perfect role for him or they they wrote it for him for that so i i don't know but he's had problems since that movie has come mm-hmm. out with alcohol you know so i don't i i don't know it's just an interesting case of life imitating art and art imitating life etc cetera, etc cetera. but yeah i thought he was better in this but he's still nicholas brendan you know one last final thought about Coherence before we move on. This is one of the few movies that I have seen without you that I wish that we had watched together. You know, I think that I think that this is one of the movies that we if we would have watched it together at the very the very same time, we could have had a lengthy conversation afterward. Right. And I kind yeah. of I kind of regret that. And you that. would have seen me almost Sarah Paulson a vase, you know, or <laughs> a glass into the wall or something. <laughs> So, I mean, maybe one day when we're ready to revisit Coherence, we'll just do it together and we'll see what comes out of that. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. So I um, I watched a movie that I would squarely consider a horror movie leaning into horror adjacent. Yeah. But it is the Amazon Prime original, The Vast of Night. And this is something that I think I think I watched it first and and told you that you needed to watch it. Or? Yes, that's exactly oh, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, I was live texting you. Cause I was like this dialogue though, like this is all like one shot. It's, it's introducing basically all these characters and the entire town all in just like one expert shot. And the dialogue is just so naturalistic. Yes. It's like, so it, it reminded me of Tarantino a little bit in his setups and it's just done so well. It really, really transports you to the time. And because I think this is 1940s, 1950s, uh, I believe. And it centers around radio, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, you know, the phone operators. And, and it's just so interesting. It reminds me of Night Vale, which is also, of course, a podcast, um, you know, about a radio show on a, in, in a spooky town where weird shit happens all the time. But this is like, it really, it, it also um, uh, displays itself as like almost like a Twilight Zone episode. Right. They frame it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, complete with intro, <laughs> you know, and everything. And I just thought it was so well done. And uh, I recommended it to, I actually, I recommended it to you. I was live texting you, but then I also recommended it to my family. And of course my family, you know, likes really wrapped up with a bow endings, I think. And so they were just like, that was weird. <laughs> oh, they didn't like it. <laughs> I didn't get much feedback. They were just like, "Yeah." So it's weird. This movie <laughs> is so incredibly well acted. 
well-written, well-directed. I mean, just like everything about this movie to me is so good. Just like from the sets and like the art design and just like, I don't, some of the, some of the camera work in this movie is so good. And I know they probably use like drones or something to film some of these things, but like if I were on the Academy, like voting board for cinematography and I didn't list this movie in my choices, I mean, I, I, something's wrong. I mean, like this is such a, good movie yeah and i just everything about it and mostly because i mean like you can sort of pinpoint the movies that i I like obviously we talk about like like small settings and small characters and or small amounts of characters and that's exactly what this movie gives you i mean we essentially have like two characters and oftentimes they're by themselves you know maybe talking Mm -hmm. to each other but like separated by you know a phone line or whatnot but i think like some of the best work in this movie is from that actress who was playing that that little phone operator who like took over for her mom? I think it was just like so so good, and I need to look up her fucking name. So um, I believe you are talking about Sierra McCormick. Yes, and uh, of course Jake Horowitz did a huge amount of heavy lifting as well. Um, but I think this is Andrew Pat- uh, Patterson's directorial debut. You know, and I I just I feel like it's like amazing. He financed it himself. He wrote the script under a pseudonym with someone else and it was rejected by 18 film festivals what and finally premiered at slam dance and then of course it was acquired by amazon and released in drive-in cinemas and it's amazing and i really really like it and i'm really looking forward to other things that this director does because if this is his writing directing debut yeah that he he financed himself yeah he's got a lot of room to go i mean with like some big budget studio money I mean, if he stays true to like what his artistic visions are or whatever, I mean, and a lot of directors are doing that these days. They're taking the money and saying, well, I'm going to make the movie that I want to make. And I mean, this is like people that we respect, like Michael Doherty and and Mike Flanagan. I mean, like we just take the money, make a big movie. I'm so interested to see what he does with it because this small movie that he paid for himself is just better than some of the things that I've seen in the last like four or five years and know? it looks really good the yes. atmosphere is amazing the 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 casting that he managed to get was amazing this, this i mean everything about it it just uh it screams talent you know and I, I just can't wait to see what he does next and i hope he stays in the horror horror adjacent category for at least some time yeah so i really recommend this movie if you have amazon prime you need to go and watch it if you are not watching it you you're doing yourself a disservice i rated this four and a half stars on letterbox and i stand by that i don't even i can't think of why i took that half star off i think toward the end I sort of like got a little disinterested in the story a little bit. I didn't know where it was going. I gave it a four because I, I thought the ending was a little abrupt. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that we share something there. I mean, like it's really, really good up until the very end. I mean, the very, very end. But up until then, it's just like a fantastic movie. Mm-hmm. And I can see myself watching this over and over again. I would love to see what this looks like on stage even you know i i can totally see it working in that way but it's it's a great movie and an amazing directorial debut so so good yeah so i think that pretty much wraps up the horror movies that i have seen over the last month but i do have a couple that i would consider horror adjacent me too good i mean so let's jump into those um 
Do you want to go first? Sure. I finally saw Jojo Rabbit. <gasps> I just sucked all the oxygen out of my ra- <laughs> <laughs> And I rated it a four and a half stars. That's only half a star less than me. Okay. I want to know what you thought about Jojo Rabbit because I fucking loved it. And of course, this is Taika Waititi. He's behind, of course, what we do in the shadows as well as Thor Ragnarok, which is Robert's favorite Marvel film, mm-hmm. you know, among some other things. And Jojo Rabbit is kind of an unlikely film. Really, really it is. And, you know, no one would have thought this would have worked, but I can't imagine it working in anyone else's hands but Taika Waititi. I mean, he adapted that book to be a comedy more than, it, you know, because I don't think it was before. He just put himself, injected a huge fucking gallon of himself into, that sounds gross, into this. Uh, <laughs> and he won it. I believe he won an Oscar for the, for writing yeah for writing it mm-hmm. you know best best adapted i believe or something or best original i forgot um it is based on a novel so i can't imagine it would have been original but anyway so everyone's great in this film the little boy's great taiko's great he plays hitler <laughs> uh scarlett johansson is amazing um i love seeing a bunch of the other bit characters in this um there's a lot of familiar faces it's funny it's heartwarming there's a lot of horror adjacency but it's from the perspective of a little boy who's you know, a little like Hitler youth or whatever, and learning that everything that he believes is evil, essentially. And, you know, his imaginary friend is Hitler. So Tycho is not actually playing Hitler, Hitler. He's playing this imaginary version of Hitler. And everything's kind of just, you know, through this little boy's eyes. And it's not like um, the book thief or something where, which you still need to see. Yeah. Which is through a little girl's eyes, but it's much more somber and melancholic. This is somber and melancholic, but very secondary to the just playful, interesting, ironic, you know, it's, it's hard to compare it to anything, you know, but uh, I would definitely say there's, there's just moments of just outright laughter as well as moments of, you know, tears and, and things like that. And it's done, it's just an, so expertly so i would highly recommend if any of you haven't seen jojo rabbit to go see it to quote still magnolias one of my favorite emotions is laughter through tears right and like this movie sort of exemplifies that to me and i i really think that like the acting in this movie and the writing and the way the movie was made is phenomenal i love sam rockwell like every time i see him in something i think he's just a phenomenal actor and the, the kid in this movie is also a phenomenal actor. And like Scar- Scarlett Johansson, like if she were going to win an Oscar for the two roles that she was nominated for last year, I would have hoped it would have been this one. I mean, I don't know. Marriage Story was amazing for her. You know, that that was such good acting. She's she's just an acting powerhouse this yes. last year. I mean, for real, anyone who discounted her, I mean, like she is just good. I just I love this movie a lot. It was my second favorite of last year overall, actually. So um, I just got to get you to see that that first movie, that number one on my list from last year, and then we'll, we'll talk about that one later on. And what so, is that one? Little Women. <laughs> oh, okay. Little Women's so fucking good. Okay, all right. <laughs> just sounds like a quack. It's on my list. <laughs> <clears throat> Queer. I know, right? So any other uh, horror-adjacent ones that you've seen? Yeah, so I watched a movie that I think we were looking forward to seeing together. We talked about it briefly on a shooting the flames and we even considered doing this for our hot take in june and that's the movie shirley starring elizabeth moss you know who we just like fawned over from the invisible man earlier this year and uh, she was great in us 
and also great in us. And I, so I'm, I like her Handmaid's very much. Tale, Bad Men. She's great in everything she does at all. I mean, she is a really good actress and this is no exception. Um, and I was looking forward to watching this movie a lot because I love Shirley Jackson. I have read a huge chunk of her work, not all of it because it's kind of prolific, but I mean, lots of short stories, novels. I mean, she wrote The Haunting of Hill House, right? She wrote The Lottery. And these are just some, some pieces of literature that I like very, very much. And I was looking forward to seeing this movie because I thought that it was going to be a little bit more accurate, right? And I think mm. that this movie takes a lot of like liberties and sort of like, you know, shows a fictitious version of, of actual events. And um, the movie also like sort of like takes this like psychosexual turn. There's lots of sex in this movie. Interesting. And it's not quite what I was expecting, but the acting was, was very, very good. And the way that the movie was shot was very, very good. It almost feels surreal in a way, almost like a Shirley Jackson story. Right. Mm -hmm. And, but it's totally worth it just to watch um, Elizabeth Moss play Shirley Jackson. And the man who plays her husband was also very good. Like the, the way they play off each other. It's an interesting film, and I, uh, the director of this movie I've never heard of, but I did some research online, and people just really like her work a lot, and I have never seen any of her movies, never heard of them, so I think I need to go back and like do some some watching and like sort of verse myself in what she has created, but uh, this was a three-and-a-half-star movie for me on Letterboxd. Like, it's total good. Go check it out. Okay. It's on Hulu. I mean, it costs nothing to watch it, so why not? Sweet. Another horror adjacent film on my list is Room, mm. starring Brie Larson, which I believe I gave like a four and a half star to. Um, I really, really dug the shit out of that movie. Um, I think a lot of, you know, I, obviously she won a Best Actress Oscar for Brie it. Brie Larson, yeah. Yeah. And um, it's interesting because it's really done from the perspective, subtly done through the perspective of her child. You know, who has grown up in this one room like shack, not knowing the outside world because they are, you know, kept captive by this, you know, man, this rapist guy, you know, that took her from the street, locked her in this room and habitually rapes her. She has this child and that's the only room that this kid has known at, in all of his, you know, five or six years. And it's the story of how they escape and, you know, how they deal with you know, getting used to getting back into the world and for the first time with the child. And for better or worse, it really follows the, you know, the perspective of the child. It doesn't really leave his side. If the mother has to go somewhere else, like the hospital or something else, it follows him and not her, you know? And so I don't know if that's a mistake or not, um, you know, but, you know, I would have liked to follow her journey a little bit more because I feel like I was relating more to her. You know, but overall, it's a very, very powerful movie, and I, I I dug the shit out of it. I've only seen this one time. I saw it in the theater, um, you know, before the Oscars. During my Oscar catch up, I went to go Ugh. see this with my cousin, who's a social worker. You oh know, oh my god, this is a movie you have to watch like an intimate, like on a couch. Like this is not a theater movie. 
because we were bawling the whole time. And, you know, immediately afterward, this is her, this is what her training is in. And so we had to go get a beer and talk about the movie afterward. And it's very, very good. And Brie Larson is excellent in this movie. And Jacob Tremblay is even better. Oh I feel God. like he's just so good in this movie, but it's such a downer. Right. And of course it had to be, this is what the subject matter is, but, uh, so good. So well acted. I think that your experience with your discussions surrounding it, and who you watched it with might be coloring your thing. Cause I didn't feel like it was a downer really. You know, I feel like it, you know, it, it, at the end it, it really kind of looks forward and there's progress and you know, there's hope. There is an uplifting and hopeful ending. You're right. You know, and I think that maybe we were just sort of like focused on like the, and not even the greater chunk of the movie. Cause the greater chunk of the movie is dealing with the aftermath of her escape. Right. And I, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we were just focused on like being in that situation or like putting ourselves into that situation, situation of how we would feel after we escape from that, you know, room or whatnot. But I mean, it was, it was good. It's, it's just not a movie that I would walk away from like saying, I can't wait to watch it again, you know? And, but it was excellent. I would watch it again just for the performances alone, honestly. And I, as a nerd point, I actually really loved seeing William H. Macy, uh, as well as Joan Allen play husband and wife again, which they were in Pleasantville, which I really love that movie. Oh, I forgot they were a couple in Pleasantville. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who split up and the same kind of thing happens here. It's just really, really interesting that they paired those two up again. I love Joan Allen so, so yeah. much. Mm-hmm. I just do. So um, I watched a movie that has been on my list for a while, at least since last year. I think that I don't know if we covered this trailer in Shooting the Flames, but I think that you and I may have talked about it separately. And that's the movie Loose, uh, starring Octavia Spencer and Naomi Watts, as well as Tim Roth, who also played a couple in Ooh, Funny Games. He's before. always good. Yeah, and so I'm so mean, ashamed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was. I mean, and as far as I'm concerned, Octavia Spencer is just so good in everything but like especially this movie she's a national treasure for real i mean like did you ever see ma i haven't seen ma yet it's like it's on my list now like it was it's been on my list but now i want to see it even more Mm because i want to see her do something like different that she hasn't done before but my god she's so good in this movie and i was thinking back on like the oscar nominees of last year and i was just like why isn't octavia spencer here for this movie it's just so good the movie sort of focuses on a young african-american uh boy teenager who's been adopted by two white parents so they they sort of taken him from this war-torn country in africa to give him a better life in america and he's especially bright and he's athletic and he is charming he's good at debate right he's just like the overall like good student and everyone wants him to succeed and have a good life and like his teacher who's like a government or history teacher played by Octavia Spencer is calling his parents because he's written some like really troubling things in essays and she used that as an excuse to like search his locker and she found fireworks and she's just troubled by the path that he may be taking based upon his past and I mean like I would put this in horror adjacency because you know there's so many differences of opinion going on in this movie and you're trying to figure out like who's telling the truth and who is not yeah I remember the trailer so it reminds me of that movie um, Apt Pupil based on a short story by Stephen King with Ian McKellen where 
the kid is like the straight A awesome person, you know, but might have this dark underbelly of weirdness that is much more manipulative than is at first sight. And it's like, who's the real bad guy here? And the trailer for Loose just kind of made me feel like there's some ambiguity and guesswork going on between like Octavia Spencer. Is she like the bad guy here? Like that's like trying to you do some weird manipulation or is the kid actually, you know, having these like dark thoughts and urges and things like that and manipulations or are they both in a way you know so it's, it looks interesting and that's exactly the point of the movie you know it's just like trying to figure out like who you want to believe through the course of the story that's being told i mean this movie like does it, it wrap up do you find out I mean, yeah, you do. And I, I think that that's what kept me from giving this a five star rating. I, I don't think that, I mean, I didn't really care for the ending so much, mostly because, you know, I grew to love these characters for all of their good and bad qualities. And I can't say that very often in a movie. I like there, there are points in this movie that I like characters for being bad, you know, mm-hmm. and it, at some point, it starts to also be about like, how much do you trust your children? You know, cause Naomi Watts goes on a journey and it's just, just like, this is a really good movie with really good characters and really good acting that I think was supremely overlooked by the award circuit, mm-hmm. you know? And I mean, like if not the general public, I know it's been on Hulu for a couple of months and, and I don't see people talking about this movie and I don't understand why, you know, it's got like big name people and it doing really like big name work. And Oscar. So what? Yeah, for real. I mean, I just, it's gotta be it. I mean, cause I mean, Octavia Spencer, as far as I'm concerned, she like blinks on camera and, you know, she can get a nomination. She's been nominated several times and I, and won. And I was just, I, just, I don't know why this one's overlooked. I don't know. Mm. It, it just really boggles my mind, but it's a fantastic movie. I think that I texted you after I watched it or even while I was watching it. And I was like, you have to watch this movie. It's just so so good and so thrilling i mean it's it's kind of bare bones in its storytelling but i was on the edge of my seat the entire fucking time and i would put it in the horror adjacency category just because there's so many questions that you come up with while you're watching it and i mean it is a thriller like at the end of the day and so i, I also group thrillers into like the horror adjacency category and so mm. i just I can't recommend this movie enough. Like four and a half stars for sure. So, so good. Octavia Spencer, if you want to read the phone book, I will come and film you. So just <laughs> here, here. I mean, come on. Well, speaking of four and a half uh, star horror adjacency, I finally watched Logan, which is uh, one of Fox's last uh, X-Men movies, I guess. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the, the way Fox is handled you know, X-Men and everything else throughout the years, throughout the decades, really. But this is kind of their bookend, their kind of final statement on their X-Men franchise. And it elevates it to, you know, horror adjacency and to a hard R rating. And I was not expecting that. And I gave it a four and a half stars. And it was uh, not what I had expected. I'd heard a lot of people say really good things about it, but I was just kind of done with Fox and Marvel. Um, or at least Fox's treatment of Marvel, you know, but I love how they handled, you know, an older professor Xavier who's, you know, suffering from seizures. And I loved, you know, kind of old man Logan approach. And I loved how they uh, approached the, the, the girl, 
that they're supposed to be kind of saving or taking care of. It's almost like a reverse Terminator movie, right? It does remind me of Upgrade. It reminds me of Terminator. It reminds me of really classic, you know, 80s and early 90s, like action, sci-fi, horror thrillers, you know? You know, I just thought it was excellently done. And it's been on my list to watch for a very long time, at least since, I mean, the year it came out. It seemed like it was a very good movie. It got a lot of Oscar buzz around it. And, you know, I've been meaning to watch it. And so when I saw that you had watched it on Letterboxd and you mentioned it to me, I said, what the fuck? Let's watch Logan. <laughs> and, um, you know, I liked it. I, I don't think that I have the, I mean... I have not seen the most recent X-Men movies, like the last two or three that came out. Aside from Logan, I still haven't seen. Don't. And I don't really plan. I mean, I trust your judgment on that. And if it's like, if it's a movie that's squarely in a genre that you like and you say it's not good, I'm like, eh, I don't want to watch it. But I mean, like Logan was nominated for an Oscar for best adapted screenplay. Right. And so that mm-hmm. says something that's a fairly high award and that's great for a comic book movie. And so, yeah, I, I watched it and I also enjoyed it. I was pleasantly surprised. You said it was an excellent movie. You said you appreciated the violence and the meta qualities. And you said Patrick Stewart was phenomenal. And you said all the Oscar buzz around the performance was deserved. And then I looked at your letterbox score and it was a three and a half. And I was like, three and a half is an excellent, sir. I see you. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I can repeat myself. No, no, no. I had to, I had to air the, the conversation that we had on messenger. Uh, So here's the deal with Logan. Okay. I, th- I think it's good. I think it's well-made. I think that his performance is phenomenal. All those things that I said. <laughs> but for a huge chunk of this movie, several chunks of this movie, actually, I was incredibly bored. I was just like, okay, like, I don't say this very often, but ramp up the action. I know the violence was extreme, but I kind of wanted to see more of that. And there were just like huge chunks of the movie that they were like doing nothing. You know, and I was just like, I don't know. I just didn't, it didn't hold my attention as well. Well, I don't know that I can, uh, that I agree with that, but you know, we can agree to disagree, which is, I'm not saying it's a bad movie either. I mean, like I, I liked it. I would, I would watch it again, you know, and I watched it by myself too. I know that my husband would like this movie. Um, I think I was watching it like in the middle of the day or like early in the morning or Mm -hmm. something like that. And um, I mean, (laughs) It's good. I was just kind of bored through pieces of it. But as far as like comic book movies go and as far as X-Men movies go, I think that it's like tops. It's equally, I mean, I kind of like X-Men 2 the best. See, I went back and watched that and I was like, this is not as good as I remember it, especially after watching Logan. And I actually gave it like a three, like a three star because that was my favorite X-Men movie before that. And uh, I went back and watched and I was like, whoa, this isn't really aged well, you know, but Logan was superior. And I haven't seen them in a very long time, but I mean, like there, there were certain parts of this movie that I think are just phenomenal. And I wish that I wish that they could have cut like maybe like half an hour out of it, you know, or something. But um, the scene that I really liked the most was toward the end. And I don't want to give like way too much away, but there's a bunch of mutants sort of like using all their powers at one time. Right. And I just like, 
really fucking loved that. Like, yeah. That's what I wanted to see most of. They kind of gang-banged I mean, I, one of the people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like they're like, there's, they're, they're hinting around other mutants and I know there's, there's not supposed to be that many in this movie, but I kind of like to see a whole bunch of mutants at one time, mm-hmm. you know, and that's why I, I like the other X-Men movies too, because we they're characters that I know and love already, but these were new characters and I sort of wanted to see like more of what they could do and the other mutants that were still around. And I'm, I don't know. I mean, like it was just, it was, it was really good. I I don't want you to think that I don't like this movie because I really did. And I disagree with you. I think three and a half is an excellent rating. <laughs> <laughs> well, how would you, what adjective would you use for four or four and a half or five? If three and a half is excellent. It's a fucking perb. I mean, I don't know, <laughs> I, but I mean, like, like three and a half to me is is excellent. I think three is kind of excellent, and four is like phenomenal, and five is just mm. like astronomical or something. You know what I mean? But so yeah, to me, like two and a half is meh, and then like three is good. Three and a half is very good. There are, I mean, I don't watch movies all the time and think I just really disliked that movie. You know, I need to go back and see what I rated one star. I'm fairly certain I haven't done that no. ever. So, I mean, because, I mean, I think that three and a half is, is a it's really... It's hard to make a one-star movie, in my opinion. <laughs> I mean, I agree. But I, I think that three and a half is a, a really excellent rating. I would say three is good and three and a half is excellent. I don't know. <laughs> it's that half star that sort of hinges on it. Although, I don't I don't know. We could, we could further this discussion and this argument, like, <laughs> off mic. No, we, we rate things differently. That's completely fine. <laughs> well, that sort of wraps up my horror-adjacent movies. I watched two more things that are I, they're not horror, in my opinion. Okay. So, uh, one of them is a movie that I should have seen, I mean, at least, like, for 20 years now, yeah. plus. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a movie that my co-host and best friend Chris has told me to watch on more than one occasion, but it took a listener to call me out on social media to make me finally watch it. So thank you, Nikki, at Philly Engineered. I watched The Long Kiss Goodnight. Yay! Finally. <laughs> and my God, what a good fucking movie this is. <laughs> no. Yeah, it's a solid four stars for me. It's just a classic. I love the team up of Samuel L. Jackson and Gina Davis. I feel like their chemistry is is just amazing. I want to see them together and, and more stuff. I was so pleasantly surprised by this movie. I don't know why I poo-pooed this movie for so long. I think that when it was marketed to, to me when I was a teenager, I was just like, oh, it's just another action movie. I don't care, whatever. And, but when I sat down to watch this, I was maybe like 15 or 20 minutes in and I was already like messaging Chris going like, what the <laughs> fuck am I watching? This is so good. I mean, it's so like ridiculous in the best ways. I mean, like once they hit that fucking deer and its legs were kicking inside the, uh, like uh, windshield a la cabin and cabin fever. I was like, I love this. And there's some iconic action. <laughs> sequences in this especially near the end and it just it's the movie starts and is clearly innocent almost like just run-of-the-mill family you know type of situation and then by the end you're in this hardcore action movie you know and all the wacky hijinks that happen in between to make that happen and uh brian cox again is amazing in this movie um yes you know and there are some other you know recognizable faces but it's just a really well-paced great classic action movie you know, with thriller elements, uh, there's some horror adjacency on there. Um, you know, I I just I really love this movie. I loved the like just interactions between Judy Davis and Sam Jackson are just like just so good. Like they're they're so good together. 
And I mean, I, I like them both in, in other movies, and I just don't know why I didn't watch this. However, I have long seen this movie thrown onto lists of Christmas films, and I want to know where you stand on this. More is this than a Christmas remember, movie? You know, and so I watched it, and, and you kind of mentioned that, and I was like, you know, there is Christmas kind of sprinkled throughout this whole thing. You know, it doesn't center around Christmas. It's not about Christmas, but it happens kind of in and around Christmas. So yeah, I might put it up there. To me, it's it's almost more to do with Christmas than like Die Hard. You know, so um, yeah, yeah, she's in a Christmas fucking I mean, parade. I agree. <laughs> and there's Christmas music in it. You know what I mean? Like I I love to like find off the wall movies that are around Christmas to watch. Like like I'm, I'm not the kind of person who wants to sit down and watch It's mm-hmm. a Wonderful Life every year. I want to watch Gremlins. You know, I want to watch. Uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night, and I can totally see myself throwing the Long Kiss Goodnight into my like December month watch list. You know, I, I squarely think it's a Christmas movie, and I think that makes it even more special than what it already is. Yeah, and it's and it's also special because they could have easily just tried to make this like a badass action movie or whatever, but they really know and strike a tone with humor and wackiness. Yeah. You know, I love it when she kicks Samuel Jackson out of the car mm-hmm. and just lays there on the pavement, lights a cigarette, you know, invites him back in, you know. <laughs> (laughs) there's just like weird you know moments like that that are just completely wacky and unrealistic um you know in the action beats and and other things but it sells it and it knows itself and it just works agreed so i have to thank you for always suggesting this movie and i especially have to thank nikki for like pushing me into watching it and she didn't even like intend to push it's a a bad adjective or it's a bad verb but uh i'm so glad that you like said how could you have not seen this movie because i agree how could i have not seen this movie (laughs) so Um, I did watch, so I, you know that I'm not the most like episodic person. I like my stories to be told in a good, like three hours or less for the most part, but, uh, there are certain things that I just never miss. And those are RuPaul's Drag Race and Project Runway. And, uh, Amazon has a original series sort of like based on Project Runway. It's got Heidi Klum and Tim Gunn in it, and it's making the cut. And um, I sat and watched all of it. I know that it's not something that you would enjoy. It's all like fashion and like fashion design and like garment creation and things that I don't really, I can't do. You are like the third person to tell me that, including my boss. You know, I'm just not, I can't, I can't, like it seems so frivolous and weird to center drama around that I, I, I can't watch these things and just like take it seriously. I just can't. I don't know why. It's it's not for everybody. I am not the most fashionable person at all. I think you would completely agree with that. Like, I, I don't buy things that are fashionable. I have my own personal sense of style that sort of stems from, like, 1997, and I've just carried it over for the last, like, 20 years. But I love to watch shows where they, like, make things or do things that I can't do. I don't watch, like, Master Chef or whatever, because I can cook. I don't care what people are cooking. I like to see people do things that I can't do. And I like Project Runway because they have to make intricate garments in like a day or two. But this show is really about creating a brand. And I think the reason I liked it the most is that like you you could buy the clothes immediately after the episode was over. So it made it accessible to me, even though they create clothes for women, you know. But I mean, there's lots of like and it was global. So it's like. 
lots of different people from different countries and all around the world. And there's lots of queer voices in this. And it was just really fun. And I will continue to watch Project Runway and Making the Cut and things like that. I really enjoy these shows. Well, I need to check it out at this point. I've already promised that I would. I'll check out the first episode and see what it's all about. But maybe I need to just spank my like inner masculine moppet or something in order to just deal with it. But, you know, good TV is good TV. So I'll check it out. I will say for a reality show, like these were very likable characters. Like I, I wanted more than one person to win. Right. And I think if you're watching a competition show and it doesn't matter who wins, I think that speaks very highly of it. That's one thing I hate about reality is just like the petty dramas. That's what I didn't like about the first part of coherence. You know, I hate stupid people and situations with heightened drama that doesn't make sense to me. Well, then you will like this because there's, this is one of the, one of the one reality competition shows where there's like, there's a few moments of drama sprinkled in, but by and largely these people all get along. They created a family and the music is really cool. I have pulled up the Spotify playlist for this and have listened to it. And it's just like, good. It's a well-made show. And, it's in like um ultra high def so everything looks great right and it's just i mean it's good i mean i don't expect you to watch it Mm -hmm. i don't expect you to like it you know but um i i really enjoyed it i got rob to watch two episodes and i think that he was kind of involved he liked to look up the winner before you know the 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 judging happened to see which one i liked the best and how it mapped up to them and then to see if we could buy the clothes and right now they're all sold out but there's some things that Mm -hmm. i've picked out that i want to own so i i don't know but that's the that's the last thing that i watched in june i took a great chunk of it because it takes me a while to watch episodic things but uh i really enjoyed the shit out of it and as far as like pride month goes i think it's great to watch a movie or tv show with so many different queer people in it from all around the world it was just so good and made me happy well uh, since you were doing all your you know gay shit i was over here doing all this ultra masculine stuff like watching old betty davis katherine hepburn and gloria swanson movies (laughs) just to provide contrast that's right you barely celebrated Pride Month. How dare you? So I've been trying to catch up on these movies, right? So I watched The African Queen with Catherine Hepburn. I watched Philadelphia Story, which is like, like a younger like comeback movie for Catherine Hepburn. I watched Dark Victory with mm-hmm. uh, Betty Davis. And wow, that was something that I didn't expect. And Sunset Boulevard I had never seen with Gloria Swanson. And I'm ready for my close-up, Mr. DeMille. And that's kind of a film noir, you know, kind of... I don't know yeah. if it's even horror adjacent, but it's almost like thriller adjacent, I guess, far adjacent. But it's interesting. I don't know if I'm going to watch any of these again. Uh, of these four, I probably liked the Philadelphia story the most. So I've said before in the podcast, my father wanted me to watch some older movies as as he learned that I was a, a, a cinephile or whatever you want to call it. He was like, you have to watch the older stuff before you watch the new stuff. And I'm like, nah. But, uh, you know, I've seen three of these. I have not seen Dark Victory. So it's about this woman who has, I guess, like a brain tumor and doesn't have like she gets dizzy and headaches and doesn't, you know, have all the feeling on on one part of her body. But she's like this young socialite. She doesn't want to, you know, admit to anything. Finally, she has surgery, um, saves her life. But the doctor and her best friend come to a realization that she's going to die anyway. She's going to go blind. And then within an hour, she will be dead, right? And so that's she's given like four to six months to live. She falls in love with the doctor and ends up marrying him. They still don't tell her, you know, and finally she finds out there's some drama, but then it ends, you know, 
with a dark victory. <laughs> so I expected it to be more like a thriller based on that title, you know, or something. Mm-hmm. But no, it's 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 more like, you know, triumph over one's own fate or something. I don't fucking know. But it it wasn't what I expected and it was all right. Um, you know, like I said, I think the I think the Philadelphia story was um the best journey for characterization. I felt like there was a nice, you know, middle beginning and end and you know, uh, we had seen, you know, Lion and Winter fairly recently. And of course, we saw Suddenly Last Summer. And, you know, that all of that has uh, made me want to kind of go back and see some of these people's, you know, famous movies. So I had never seen African Queen, Philadelphia Story, or Sunset Boulevard before, especially Sunset Boulevard. I wanted to see what all the fuss was about with that. I loved seeing um, some of those. I had a hopper plays herself in that movie. Um, really? Yeah. And so does uh, Cecil B. DeMille. He plays himself in that movie. And so it was just really interesting to kind of see Hollywood kind of comment on itself at this time in 1950. This is, you know, six years before he'd make to Ten Commandments and nine years before he died. So it was really interesting to see him in that. And to kind of start tying everything together. Um, I do want to go and see like Now Voyager with Betty Davis. I've never seen that. You know, I just want to see some of these earlier things. Um, I also want to see their follow-up to Whatever Happened to Baby Jane, um, which was uh, Hush Hush Sweet Charlotte. I have never seen that. You know, I want to see, you know, Joan, Joan Crawford's, you know, Axe movie or whatever that had come out. <laughs> oh, what the fuck is that movie called? I love that movie too. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but yeah. I want to see all of these, and I want to kind of go through. I want to see Cool Hand Luke. I've never seen a lot of these mm. movies, you know, that are older. Well, spit and, my beer out. Yeah, like Cool Hand Luke's a different. You know, we're we're going skipping a, a couple decades into the future, but but so good. You know, I haven't seen like any of these. I haven't seen Rebel Without a Cause. I haven't seen you know a lot of these. So I, I need to go back and watch. Well, and I do too, because I mean, I saw these movies when I was a teenager or a preteen for the most time. I mean, like my my father would sit down like we're going to watch The African Queen. And he would go and like buy the VHS movie for us to sit down and watch together. And I just have not seen it since. And I mean, like he talks about these movies and these actors all the time. Like he really will sit down and by himself and just watch hours and hours of Turner classic movies. And he's well versed in like old cinema. And I feel that I'm not. So I need to go back and like rewatch some things. And, you know, we just talked about in um, our deep dive into Psycho Beach Party about how like 20 years time can change the way you feel about a movie and like as a teenager you sit down and be like I don't want to watch this this is not what I want to see it's not stylized like today's movies are or whatever and I think that I would appreciate a lot a lot more of it if I watched it now as a 40 year old man right so mm-hmm. I need to see the things that I haven't seen I need to rewatch some and I really feel like I need to rewatch some like classic horror too I mean like as far as the film flamers go, we haven't done like like classic horror yet as a deep no, dive. No, I think we want to kind of ease into that. Yeah, I mean, so I, I I feel like I need to go back and just watch some of these movies that are considered like re- like really classic, and just you know gauge my opinion on them. But I always poo poo old movies until I sit down and watch it, and I love it. You know, I mean, just. So I'm, I'm fairly certain that I could sit down and watch, you know, Sunset Boulevard or Dark Victory or any of the movies you just listed and just enjoy myself immensely. So I think I need to start yeah. peppering those into my watch list a little bit. Yeah. Well, that 
was a long conversation about movies that we have watched. <laughs> yeah, I think that's going to be a nice hour and a half long episode for you guys. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Hopefully it wasn't too much. And I hope that you guys enjoyed uh, the, the longer conversation about it. So oftentimes Chris and I will watch like this amount of movies in a month, maybe less, maybe more sometimes, depending on what's going on. But we pick and choose the things that we've watched to talk about in Shooting the Flames. And this was sort of a, you know, a exercise in what we would do if we wanted to talk about the things we have watched at length. Yeah. And if you've lost track like we have, check the show notes right here on this episode to see a list of all the movies that we've talked about and the links to go watch them. And if you liked this new format of episode, you can reach out to us on social media at the Film Flamers on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. You can email us at tiredqueens at filmflamers.com or call our hotline at 972-666-7733. Leave us a voicemail with what you thought or basically anything that comes to mind and we'll put it on our next Shooting the Flames episode and respond to it there. That's right. We also like to talk about our new patrons and reviews on Shooting the Flames. So if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you can leave a review do so we'll read it on the episode and go to patreon.com slash the film flamers to find all of our bonus episodes including the one for june where we flash back to sudden last summer so another classic film that we talked about we are still taking submissions for our survey. We haven't really gotten any new ones over the last two episodes, so please check the show notes and take that survey. Swerve over to the side of the road if you're driving. Just take it. takes a minute. Do it, please. It helps us out a great deal. If you're in traffic, you could do it. Every press of the brake. Yeah. It's pretty much all multiple choice. Just do it. Yeah. Please. So we still have Shooting the Flames coming out next week. And in July, we are covering two of our shared favorite horror movies, Alien and Aliens, and a special top 10 coming for you. So stay tuned in July. But until then, I think that we have more movies to watch to add to our growing list. So until then, sweet dreams. Can you just suck my lip right now? What the fuck? <laughs> 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 <laughs>